hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Well, thank you. Well, you know, it's been just a, a wild week so far. So why don't you say we just get right down the business here? Last week, the market got shellacked. I mean, down a thousand points a day. And I'm not talking just one day or even two days. When I was looking back at the time, I saw the market or the S&P 500 is what I refer to as the market. The market was down 12% over the previous six trading sessions. That puts us squarely in correction territory. And, you know, it's most likely due to the concerns over the coronavirus, but had a little bit of Bernie Sanders mixed in there because looks like he might win the Democratic nomination. So let me start today with my conclusion. For long-term investors, I think it's too early to bottom fish. I think it's too early. Don't try and catch that proverbial falling knife. Now, if you're a short-term tactical trader, well, that's another thing. You do you. Sure, we'll probably get to the point where the selling gets exhausted and then we'll get a rally. We've already seen it once. But for the long-term folks listening, I'd be patient. A number of things are leading me down this path, at least for now. And I've mentioned these things before. First, we've seen the market returns concentrated in a handful of the tech stocks. And you know the ones. Apple, for example. Apple went from $170 during the summer to almost $330 just a few weeks ago. You don't have to be a math professor to figure out that's darn near a double. Tesla, the same thing. AMD, Salesforce, I could go on. Anyhow, they went too far way too fast. Second thing, gold has been beating the S&P 500. Gold's been sniffing out a rate cut, just like it did last spring. And it was right because we just got a 50 basis point cut out of the Fed. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about the VIX. And if you're not familiar with it, don't worry about it. Simply put, it's a gauge uh, that people use to follow volatility. The VIX in the market were moving in the same direction. And that's not supposed to happen, at least in my book. Volatility is supposed to go down when the market is going up and vice versa. But here's the main thing that I've talked about over the last few shows. Stocks, bonds, and the dollar. They were all moving higher. Everything can't just go higher. It's unnatural. It's just not right. When it does... All these things, stocks, bonds, and the dollar, all these things are going up. It usually gets resolved by the stock market pulling back. Think of it like this. If the dollar is strong, what happens to corporate profits? That's right. That's right. Corporate profits should go down. That's because 40 to 45% of the revenues of the S&P 500 come from overseas and those euros, then just yen, what have you. Well, they needed, they need to be converted back into dollars. And that means, you know, lower earnings for corporations. 
And I'll get to earnings in a minute. Lastly, from where I sit, investors have been rather complacent. They've just been, you know, adding to their index holdings on the dips. And I think, at least for the near future, my opinion, picking individual stocks should be more rewarding. And I say that as long as you pick the good ones, right? And I say that because a handful of the tech stocks that make up about a 20% weighting of the S&P 500 doesn't look like they've really gotten inexpensive to me. They still look expensive. Ultimately, what matters to equity investors is profit growth. At the beginning of the year, analysts were guessing that uh, the market would grow by grow the earnings by about 10%. And I thought that was too high. Back in, my, uh, back in January during the outlook that I released, I said I figured earnings probably go about 5 or 6% for this year. I thought that was much more likely. Now, I think it's more likely that they're going to be flat. I don't think we're going to see any earnings growth this year, maybe even even negative. But let's go with flat because I'm an optimist. And that's basically what that basically means. If they are flat, we will see no earnings growth over the previous two years. If you use the IBES earnings estimates now, and that's the institutional broker's estimate system, they're calling for earnings on the S&P to be about $163. So the S&P 500 or the market, they expect to earn about $163 this year. And I round it up. With the market sitting around 3,000, what all that means is the market's still trading at about 18 and a half times earnings. That's with no growth in sight and the uncertainty surrounding the coronavirus and the elections. In my opinion, it's probably still too high of a price to pay. But hey, let's be optimistic. Let's say earnings pick up in the back half of the year. And instead of 163, they come close to 170. That's about 5% higher than what they're estimating now. And investors, well, they're feeling a little bit better and they decide to pay up for stocks because, well, bonds aren't paying anything. They're paying diddly squat. That's the technical term for nothing. Diddly squat. $170 of earnings and you put on a 16, 16 and a half multiple on top of that of what investors are willing to pay for it. That would translate to the S&P being about 2,800 or said another way, we still got a ways to go down to the downside. Let me stress, I'm not a market timer. There are some good, some very good stocks that are out there that if you're a long-term investor, you could look at now. Sure. Always let the fundamentals be the driver of your decisions, not a big market call. If you see stocks that are cheap now and you think that you're getting enough value out of them, absolutely. The issue that you might have is trying to estimate what earnings are going to be going forward. Just, I think, over the near term, over longer term, probably is not going to change a whole lot. Some businesses are going to be more solid than others in this respect. I basically own two types of companies. When someone becomes a client, I explain this to them. We basically own two types of companies in in the portfolios. Either it's a core holding or a longer term trade. There is one more category, but we don't need to talk about that today. 
core holding, longer term trade. Now, the difference between these two is, well, with the core holdings, these are stocks that I, I want to own forever. At least that's the intent. We buy them, we put them away. We want to own them forever. Those are the companies that come hell or high water are going to be there. Companies like Berkshire Hathaway, coronavirus or not, chances are pretty good that you're going to pay your car insurance when you get the bill. Johnson & Johnson, if you cut yourself or you nick yourself, excuse me, if you cut or nick yourself, you're going to get a Band-Aid. If you drink Diet Pepsi, well, you're probably still going to have one for lunch today or tomorrow. Longer term trades are the businesses that are more cyclical in nature. They go through boom and bust cycles and perfectly natural, right? They're just more cyclical cyclical type businesses. Think of the home builders, boom and bust. Oil stocks, boom and bust. They go up, they go down. You buy them when they're down, you sell them when they're up. The core stocks really don't have to worry too much about their earnings or at least not as much as the longer term trades. They're going to be more predictable, steadier. Companies that have earnings that are less predictable, you should pay less for. That's just common sense, right? You pay more for a car that starts every morning than one that eh, may or may not. Now you're going to pay off for the car that starts every morning when you put in the key. If you'd like help with your planning or a second opinion on your portfolio, give us a call or an email. Number's 571-261-7670. So I've gotten a ton of questions since last week when I said, be patient. And I'm saying be patient again. Be patient. Start building a list of companies that you'd like to own and what price you'd like to own them at. The email is podcast, which is plural podcast at xmlfg.com. Let me give you some of the ones that I've been looking at that's on, that, that are on my list. Well, Berkshire, for sure. Simple BRK, we buy the B share, so it's BRKB. Absolutely. It's gone from 230 to 210, from cheaper to cheaper, or from cheap to cheaper. They have a ton of cash on hands. Merck is another one I like. Healthcare has come under some fire, not just because of the threat from a pandemic, but because Sanders, as I said earlier, is leading the Democratic primaries. And as you may know, he's all about Medicare for all, which is going to wreak havoc all through the healthcare industry. Merck, simple MRK, is that about 80 down from where it was? Oh, 92. Paying a 3% dividend now. 3% dividend. That's pretty nice. Merck has been growing on the back of its biggest drug, which is Keytruda, which is primarily used to fight lung cancer. To give you an idea, last quarter, Keytruda, they grew at 45% year over year. Phenomenal. For this year, 2020, Merck is expecting to grow the company overall at around 8% versus last year. That's where the estimates are sitting now. 8% growth year over year. Besides Keytruda, the other big story with Merck is, well, they're planning on spinning off their women's healthcare business, its biosimilar drugs, and its legacy products all wrapped up into one new company. Basically, what they're doing is they're spinning off their slower growing lines of businesses to concentrate on the more rapid growers. 
And you would suspect with the slower growing businesses, they're probably going to have a bigger dividend. And this is very similar to what Pfizer had done before. And right now, Merck is trading about 14 times the current estimates, which is cheaper than the average over the last five years. So Merck is one of the big few or one of the few big pharma companies that I'm happy to own right own at this point. Another is Johnson & Johnson, which is a core holding to me. Uh, how about UNH, United Healthcare? UNH is a simple. United Health at around 260. Keep in mind with the swings in the market, by the time you hear this, the prices may have changed quite a bit. So you want to make sure that you're doing your research, doing your homework. Just don't take my word for it. But I like UNH. Said this, been mentioning this one for oh, probably the last six months or so. How about AT&T? Simple T. It's sitting around $37, paying 5.5% for a dividend. Think about it. What's coronavirus going to do to AT&T? Probably not a whole lot. It's probably not going to affect their earnings. I can't imagine how they would affect their earnings, to be honest with you. So AT&T, around $37, paying a 5.5% dividend. One last thing before we wrap this up. As I said, or mentioned briefly earlier, Fed cut rates by 50 basis points. Market had been pricing in this very amount, which is good because it provides even more liquidity and it appeases the market. But really, I don't see what this does. I don't really see what this does otherwise to help than add liquidity. The issue is that supply lines have been slowed down because, well, people can't get to work. A rate cut doesn't help the supply side of things, doesn't get people back to work. Okay, well, that's all I have for today. Remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is the grow. This is Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.